This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 3rd, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The debt the U.S. faces is large and growing, and it's not clear that even the recognition of the problem will change the political calculus of politicians currently in office. Economist Anthony Davies of Duquesne University argues that only a recognition by voters that debt payments will come directly from their pockets will change behavior in Washington. Paul Krugman makes the argument, look, for individuals getting out of debt, that may well be great, but for countries to get out of debt, that uh, can actually be uh, a bad thing, and that austerity of many countries all at once uh, can be devastatingly bad, and after all, we owe the money to ourselves. Yeah, so so there's partial truths here. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily true that we're best off being completely out of debt. In in this sense, in this sense, he's right. A government is less like an individual than it is a corporation. Uh, corporations need to maintain a certain amount of debt because what they're doing is borrowing and using this money to invest, which will provide more profit in the future. So you can imagine a country doing the same sort of thing. For example, we borrow today and we invest in a space program. The space program yields dividends over over time. Of course, all of this assumes that you're actually borrowing and then spending the money on something that's going to yield benefits in the future as opposed to borrowing and spending it on nonsense, right? But that's the lesser issue. The greater issue in my mind is this phrase that we owe it to ourselves. That would be true if the United States were a single individual, right? Because the individual is borrowed from himself, he owes it to himself. But it, but that's not the case. We're a bunch of individuals. And some of us have borrowed it from others. In this case, what the federal government has done is borrowed a bunch of money and turned around and spent that money on people who are alive today. And the people who need to pay that money back are going to be the future taxpayers. So it's not we borrowing from ourselves. It's people today borrowing from people tomorrow. And you get this ironic um, uh, situation where the people who are going to be taxed in the future to pay for the borrowing today can't vote because they haven't been born yet. And some of our people that the United States and thus future taxpayers owe money to are not Americans. Well, this is true as well. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are, are not Americans. Um, you know, and, and you'll, you'll hear the argument, the, the same kind of argument that we owe it to ourselves. If you start to think of it globally, globally, um, nobody, owe, you know, globally, we don't owe anything because everything's owed to, owed to ourselves. And again, you, then you start to see this problem of, well, no, it's not us. It's a bunch of individuals, some of them owing the money to others. <clears throat> what bothers me about the, the level of the debt is that it, it's reaching a point at which it will become mathematically impossible to pay off the thing. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> if you talk about the, not just the total amount of money that the federal government owes, which we call the debt, but the amount of money it has promised and does not have uh, the finances to pay. For example, um, Medicare and Social Security benefits for future retirees. The federal government has made promises and it simply does not have the money, even net of the money it's going to collect in the future. And the, the amount that it owes is so large that we reach a point where it becomes mathematically impossible to raise enough taxes to just pay the interest on that. Um, to give you a, a case in point, the federal debt right now, forget about the, the money that, that this, they promised and can't pay. Let's talk about just the official debt. The official debt is so large that a one percentage point increase in interest rates will cost us in interest as much as annually, as much as the Iraq and Afghanistan wars combined. 
if Barack Obama and John Boehner and Mitch McConnell woke up tomorrow as uh, born again libertarians, what could they do to stem the tide of, of debt? That's a that's a very good question, and and the answer is not much. All the discussions that have taken place over the past fifty years involving the debt have been discussions around the margins. Cut this military base here. Don't build that aircraft carrier there. You know, don't give a cost of living increase on this other side. Those those discussions are completely meaningless. I'll give you a case in point. Um, two years ago, the uh, President Obama argued that we should cut $300 million in community block grants. And there was a long to do about this. People on both sides arguing, yes, we should do this, or no, we shouldn't. And there's the debt, but then this money's going to needy people. We spent, as a country, about six weeks talking about that $300 million cut. The federal government spends $300 million every 45 minutes. It cost us more to talk about the problem than what the solution was worth. So discussions like that get us nowhere. The, the right discussion is to step back, clear the slate, and ask the question, what is it the government should be doing? And then start from there. Here's A, B, and C the government should do, so that goes on the budget. Everything else is off. And that kind of conversation is not going to happen until we reach a point where it is clearly obvious to everybody, every single voter out there, that we are in an untenable financial situation. But if it, even if it does become clearly obvious, the uh, political calculus for politicians doesn't necessarily change, does it? The political calculus for the politicians doesn't change until the voters start to understand that this money that's owed is going to come out of their pockets and out of their children's pockets. And this business that we've been told for the past 50 years of the government is going to provide this or you're going to get free that, it's all a shell game. None of the government has no money to give us other than what it takes out of our own pockets. Is there a credible uh, way for uh, Congress, the president, uh, to tie their own hands with respect to spending and debt? I, I don't believe so. No, there isn't. Um, if whatever binds Congress has the ability to put on its hands, it also has the ability to remove. And so all you're going to get is um, political posturing that will make the voters feel that Washington has done something, um, and that will last them for another 10 or 15 years <clears throat> until it becomes once, apparent once again that actually the problem hasn't been solved. Of course, by that point, there's another zero on the debt. We're recording here mm -hmm. at the International Students for Liberty Conference. What, uh, given that grim analysis, what, uh, what hope do you have? I have tremendous hope as I see the, the, the latest crop of college students coming up seem to be much more in tuned to issues of, of um, freedom. And I think this is the answer to the question ultimately. What we need to do is devolve political power to the lowest possible level. If there's something that the local government can do that, you, that does not require the state, then the local government should do it. If it's something the local government can't do, but the state can, then the state should do it. And we should only invoke the federal government when we get to a point that there's something that needs to be done that the lower levels of government can't handle. If you devolve power in that way, and this is much the way that the founders envisioned us uh, devolving our power, 
If power is devolved that way, all of a sudden you get in the political sphere the same vibrant competition that you have in the economic sphere because now you've got localities having to compete with each other for, for people to come and live here. You know, we, we have lower taxes, which is good, but we don't have these public services, which maybe people would like, and so I lose some population. So what we do is we, we compete back and forth and we find the right mix, and states similarly will do that. Right now, we have, in a political sense, what we understand does not work in an economic sense, which is a monopoly. The federal government is a political monopoly. Anthony Davies is an economist at Duquesne University. We spoke at the International Students for Liberty conference held last month. Read more on debt and spending at downsizinggovernment.org and cato.org.